All right, well, let's uh, get into the Word. Uh, so pull out your Bibles and uh, your writing utensils, because you know I'm a student of the Word. I need you all to be a student of the Word. And uh, let's, let's dive in and see what God can do in our midst in the next 30, 40 minutes. Amen? How many of you believe the Seahawks are going to win? Do we have, yes, do we have any Dolphins fans in the audience? Serious? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're not wearing nothing. Okay, well, I was going to, you know, apologize. I'm not going to even apologize ahead of time for the fact that my husband's wearing. (laughs) Um, You know, we don't want to offend anyone. You know, pastors, Christians have to be all things to all people. Are you bringing out my, my fun toys today already? I like this. This is going to mean something in a little while, so just hang tight, right? Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's get ready and get in. Yeah, I see that. Look at that. Okay, no, no knocky that over. Okay, <laughs> let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we love you so much here today. And Lord, we just ask you to uh, be a part of our midst Lord, I ask you that your word would go forth and that uh, you would just change our hearts. So, Father, imprint upon us that which you uh, would have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are, we are trucking away here with a new series. And if you were out uh, enjoying the weekend last weekend, you missed out on the opening uh, sermon of our series on the pathway to purpose. But that's okay. I'll get you caught up. Okay, I'm just really glad you came today. Uh, but uh, we're doing uh, a new sermon series. It's a ser- sermon series, actually, that we kicked off in 2010 because to, uh, the Pathway to Purpose is something that's very important to our church here and kind of how we work and how we put things together. And, uh, uh, but, uh, so we started it in 2010, and we've been kind of trucking along, and we decided that the month of September we were going to give new emphasis, fresh emphasis to it so that you would all have a really good understanding for what the Pathway to Purpose is. But uh, the underlying theme for the Pathway to Purpose, and I'm just going to give a quick kind of recap for this, but the underlying theme for the Pathway to Purpose is a threefold kind of phrase, and it goes something like this. Uh, uh, We are looking for an effective kingdom. God needs an effective kingdom. Everybody say effective kingdom. And an effective kingdom kingdom comes through a strong church. There you go. (laughs) Forgot to tell you that one. And a strong church is built by healthy Christians. Okay, good. So uh, we have this thing that we put together. So it's healthy Christians building a strong church that's creating an effective kingdom. And if we can put those three things together, if we can connect those dots, and, and if we can really, you know, hit home runs on every single one of those areas, then this area, this area, our place, our neck of the woods, our little piece of ground on the whole entire world and the globe will feel the effect of the kingdom of God. And uh, how many of you realize and know and really see it every day uh, that we need the kingdom of God to be effective? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I go places out there in the public and I get worried. (laughs) I can't go out. I cannot, and I'm sorry if you love Walmart, but I cannot go to Walmart without coming out having a prayer meeting for this whole society in Jesus' name. I mean, I can't go up and down the aisles without, oh, Jesus, get a hold of them. Jesus, they need you. (laughs) Anybody else have that effect in Walmart? Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's everywhere, though. Everybody needs Jesus. Jesus. 
So, you know, the kingdom, let's, let's break it apart just a hair. The kingdom, we need an effective kingdom. Now, I understand that the word kingdom probably isn't the most widely used concept anymore. Uh, it's usually a democracy, democracy, right? Kingdoms are very different from democracies. You, democracies, you get to vote. Kingdoms, you don't. Right? You're a subject. So, you know, kingdom isn't a huge topic. It's not really, really, really well known out there. But, you know, when Jesus came to this earth and he started his ministry, in the Gospels, he mentions the kingdom 122 times. And it brought confusion even to them in that day. Kingdom? Kingdom? You're, you're, you're bringing a kingdom in? You're ushering in a kingdom? Well, if there's a kingdom, then there's a king. So are you the king? And some people were actually ready to take up arms and fight for the kingdom. And it brought such confusion, even in Bible times, to the point where when Jesus stood before Pilate on trial for his life, Pilate looks at him and says, so tell me, you know, I, I don't understand why you're standing here. Are, are, you, are you really the king of the Jews? He'd heard this kingdom talk. Are you the king, the king of the Jews? And Jesus begins to make it very, very plain and clear. He says, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh. So then it starts coming into focus. Okay, so there's kingdoms in this world. There's Iran. There's Korea, Vietnam. I'm thinking of just random countries, right? Syria. Anyone else? Guatemala, Zimbabwe. There's kingdoms of this world. But there are kingdoms that are not of this world. In fact, there's two of them. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And these two kingdoms are spiritual kingdoms, and they're superimposed over the top of the kingdoms of this world. And every single kingdom of this world feels the push and the pull of the kingdom, uh, the spiritual kingdom, the kingdoms that are not of this world. And every single soul walking the face of the planet belongs to one or the other. There is no middle ground. So which kingdom is going to win? Which kingdom is going to be the most effective? Which kingdom is going to be the most strongest? Because the kingdom of darkness is a kingdom that comes to bring death, destruction, bondage, addictions, death, you know, everything that, that the enemy would come against us with. And the kingdom of light comes to bring life and love and joy and peace and kindness. And there's this, this fight between the two. Which one's going to be the most effective? So if this, these kingdoms, if these kingdoms are not of this world, they're spiritual, so when do we transcend then? How do we get from the spiritual realm into, you know, right here today, I have to go to work today? And the t- touch point from these spiritual kingdoms into reality, into real life, is a place called the church. The church is the place where God chooses to transition from the spiritual realms, the, the unseen, the un, un, you know, necessarily heard by these ears or felt by these sensory you know, perceptions of my body. The church is where all of a sudden it, trans, it transfers from all this spirituality into reality. Ephesians 3.10, my most favorite verse, because I love the church. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And now it's his intent that through the church, 
through the church. His spiritual power is to be made manifest through the wisdom of God. Right here, the church. Therefore, we have to have a strong church. Because if God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has chosen church to be the place where his manifold wisdom is being declared into and uh, uh, to the principalities and the powers, then we better be doing our thing. We better be a strong church. That's why church is so important. That's why there's churches all around the world. God has chosen to take and place little tiny outposts all over the world, and it's spreading. There's, there's hardly any unreached people groups now. He puts these places, all, and we're in one of them right now. We're this little outpost. We're this, this place that he wants this place to be so vibrant and so strong and so powerful that we make his name famous. That everyone here in Fife, everyone here in Pierce County knows that there is a God, knows that there's a church that's ripping and roaring and having a great time and filled with wisdom. Where you can come to the church and have your needs met and have your answers, your your questions answered. and (laughs) Your answers questioned. And uh, (laughs) I suppose that has to happen too. But there would be a strong church. And, And then we all talked last week about how the church is made up of Christians. You, me, look around. This is it. Yes, there's a building. Praise God, there's a building. But what is an empty building? It's you. I, I, you know, is the church you or is it the church? Or is, well, yeah, you know, there's is the big, big C church, little C church. You know, there's all this confusion, but I'm here to say you, it's all of it. There's the physical place that people driving by see and hear and know where to go. So vital. But if we get focused with this thing, then we become, I love what uh, one of our speakers said, we become the keepers of the aquarium instead of fishers of men. I like that. So this isn't just the all that we are, but we are healthy, vibrant little pieces of the church that come and sit in chairs every Sunday. And then stand up and go out there and do the work, do his body work. Amen? So the kingdom is only as effective as the church is strong in our area. And at this moment. And the church is only as strong as the health of every single one sitting here. Therefore, we have the pathway to purpose. Because if we can get you strong, get you healthy, get you tracking, get you moving, get you always. You know, life is long. Life is long. And the whole time, we need to be changing and growing and becoming and becoming and becoming and becoming and becoming. becoming. And if we ever stop that in any area of our life, if I ever stop exercising, what happens? It all goes to pot. So if, not pot, but, you know, now that has a new connotation, doesn't it? It all goes to, you know what, I don't know. But the same with your Christian walk. If you, if you go to autopilot in your Christian walk, eventually it will become boring to you. It will become easy to set aside. It will become something that you can, you can do sometimes and not do. I can't let that happen. My husband and I are called to be the pastors of the church here at New Horizon. If you choose to come and sit in my chair, it is my job to look you in the eye and kick you in the rear. And keep you moving. Keep you moving. Get you over your bumps of life. How many of you know that life comes up against bumps? 
Kenny King, you've been up against a bump. Let's pray you through that thing, get you over it physically. He's been up against a little bump, but he's winning, amen? Just to see you standing here, praise God. But see, that's what we're all here for, amen? Okay, I could just get carried away, but I'm not going to. Okay, so question for, for you sitting here. How many of you here, and I know I kind of alluded to it last, year, last week, how many of you here were here when we built the building? Raise your hand really high. In fact, stand up, you glorious saints. You glorious. Give them a hand. See, you have no idea what we went through. You may be seated. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So these are chunks of um, leftover pieces from building our building up here. And I, I told Dwayne to go get them for me because I wanted to show them to you and use them as a little example here today. So would, do you mind working with me on this? Okay, so um, I want to kind of draw a word picture, and I was hoping to have pictures, actually pictures of when we built the building, uh, because it is such a huge event in my world. It was massive. But uh, anyway, I didn't do that, so I'm sparing you the, the, uh, the joy of watching pictures, old slideshows. But uh, what I have here are chunks of pieces that uh, were brought to the property here to become a church building. And so when we got ready to go, and we had overcome all sorts of uh, issues and delays, it was finally time, and so we called up the contractor and we said, hey, we need you to deliver all of the pieces to build this church. We're, gonna, we're ready to go. Here's the money, plunk it down. You know, we finally got our financing and all that kind of thing. So they, you know, a bunch of workers went out into the, the, the what do you call it? It's not a lumber yard, because this is not lumber. The metal yard? The steel mill. Went out to the steel mill and gathered up hundreds of these kinds of two-by-sixes that we used. I believe this was a, um, these are stud. This is a metal stud. So instead of having wood in this church, we have metal studs. And uh, so they gathered up hundreds of those and laid them on the truck, and they gathered up tons and tons of beams and tons and tons of joists and tons and tons of wire and tons and tons of yada yada, you know, all those pieces and chunks and, and things. And they put them on a truck, and they drove them here, and they dropped them off. And we looked at that pile of stuff, and we thought, okie dokie, that's going to turn into a church building. So we all kind of looked at each other and said, let's get to work, Right? So they drop it all off, and everything was gathered. Now, now I'm going to kind of go absurd, kind of fun with you. So uh, let's just pretend that this is the pile of church laying here. And let's pretend that, that uh, I can go up and actually interview the pieces of church, right? So if I were to come up to this one and say, hey, how are you today? I was going to draw a smiley face, but I didn't have time. So, um, so uh, exactly what are you? And it would say back to you, I'm a church. I've been chosen to be a church. I didn't know what I was going to be when I was a baby. But they've decided I'm a church, so I'm a church. And they put me on a truck, and they drove me here, and I am a church. Really? You are part of a church. Okay, coolio. And then what happened was um, the master builders, the construction extraordinaires, began to pick up piece by piece and putting them in the right place, Right? And uh, as they put them into the right place, they secured them and stuck them to the place, and they became the, the structure. They became the roof, the walls, the foundation, and all of that kind of thing. And eventually, we have what you are sitting in right now. But remember, at the very beginning, they were all individual little tiny chunks of this laying on the ground, like this. Okay? So what if 
sticking all these pieces of metal and things together, what if some of them fell off? It would be a bummer, wouldn't you say? What if some of those chunks of metal decided that they didn't want to be a part of the building and just like fell off and rolled away? What if? And if that be the case, if that be the story, we would not be sitting here in a comfortable, secure building with rain outside, not today, hallelujah, but other days, and the wind. But we would be sitting inside of a a kind of half-useless building, right? And the pieces that fell off and fell on the ground, they would kind of lose their purpose, The chunks of metal that was the rest of this one right here, because it's obvious that this one was cut, is somewhere in this building and it's being used every single day. Every single minute of every single day, it has purpose and it's very important. This one, however, gets to just lay down by itself and be separate. So if I were to go ahead with our interview, and let's just keep being a little absurd and fun, But what if I were to go up to a chunk of building laying here and looking over here, seeing a building that needs pieces stuck to it because it's kind of broken, not finished. But what if I were to go up to, okay, I'll take my little piece here again. And what if I were to go up and say, how come you're just laying here on the ground? I, I think there's a really, you know, I can see where you could be used. I could see where you need to be. And let's just say that this one, if I were to do that, And I would kind of get into the heart and soul of this piece here. And uh, this piece would turn to me and say, well, the other pieces, they were bugging me. They were kind of in my way. They weren't like me. See, I don't have holes, and they do. And they were bugging me. So I don't want to be bugged anymore, so I'm not going to, I decided not to be a part of the building. Well, don't you understand? There's a hole, gaping hole right here. There's a, and rats are running in and out of the... No, not really, but, you know. Um, things are getting into the church and out of the church that shouldn't be there, and, and it's your job. that was your spot. That's where you're needed to be. And you're telling me that the other pieces bugged you? I'm sorry. And what if I had another piece? And what if I asked them, hey, you know, why are you laying on the ground and not hanging on the building? Why are you, why are you over here in the mud and you're not up there being useful? And what if it looked at me and said, you know, I can be a church anywhere. You're getting it, aren't you? I don't have to be on the building to be a church. I'm still the church. Well, yeah, but, and I know that the worker men gathered you up to be a church, but you're on the ground. Oh, I can be a church anywhere. I don't have to be on the church to be the church. Are you hearing me? Or maybe, 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 maybe we're going to go and interview this piece over here and uh, we're going to look at him and we're going to say, hey, how come you're laying on the ground and not, you know, taking your spot? I see a hole up there and it's just right for you. And what if the little piece of board said, you know, the building's good without me. I kind of didn't fit. But hold on, there's a spot right there that 
that's perfect for you. No, you know, I, didn't, I just really didn't fit in. Or maybe we had another question. And, uh, and you went to another piece and, and you said, how come you're laying on the ground? How come you're not on that building? And they said, the little thing said, well, I really felt like the master builder was moving me out. Well, how could the master builder take a chunk off of one building and then just lay you in the mud and the dirt and let you sit there? Usually master builders, if they see a chunk that needs to go to another, you know, on another building, they'll actually kind of take it off, walk it over there, and attach it right away. Master builders aren't ones to tear apart a building and then leave the chunks laying on the ground and let one building be broken and another building be broken. The master builder doesn't move chunks of a church out of a church and just lay it on the ground. Master builders are smarter than that. So what if I were to have another conversation? One last, just stick with me, okay? How come you're not helping? The, how come you're not, you know, there's a, a spot right over there. Where, and it's, you're needed. It's the perfect space for you. And the board looked at me and said, I have a problem with commitment. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, I hope it's working. Y'all are serious. I thought you'd be laughing with me through this whole thing. Because it was supposed to be kind of funny, you know. And it's like, you guys are like, <gasps> That was me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Too close to home. You know, the saddest thing I've ever seen, well, there's, I've seen a lot of sad things, but um, especially in Uganda when you're driving around, one of the saddest things I see over there is that on the one hand, there are hundreds and hundreds of undone buildings where windows are missing and chunks are missing, and, and they're just not useful. And they've got tons of structures, but those structures are not strong and effective. And then you look around, especially in Uganda, but around here too, but mostly in Uganda, and there's this undone structure, and then over to the side, there's a pile of building material just laying there in the dirt and the mud, growing weeds. And the, the finisher in me wants to run over and pick up every brick and stack it and get it all stuck on there and get the building ready to be used so that we can, it can be strong and effective and able to do what it's supposed to do. The Message Bible, Ephesians 2.19, says it like this, and I don't know if you were able to do it. Okay, so I'm just going to read it, and you guys get to listen. Message Bible, Ephesians 2.19-22. through 22. God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here. In what he is building, he used apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you. Fitting you, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds it all together. We see it taking shape day by day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. The difference between our absurd kind of fun word picture there and the reality of a complete church are many fold, but I would like to propose that the next two steps in the pathway to purpose are vital. Last week we talked about the starting point, 
that we all have salvation very seated very deeply in our hearts, that we understand it, that we get what salvation is, that we can articulate it, that we understand what the cross means. But after that, there's two words up there. One's called commit and one's called connect. And then once we uh, respond to the call of Christ in our life, the next step for us to become mature and strong and healthy and vibrant is for us to, number one, commit, and secondly, to connect. So let's talk a little bit about committing. Um, and I realize that even the word commit to some people gives them hives. And uh, you laugh, but it's powerfully true in many people's lives. Committing to something or somebody can sometimes make you very nervous. Well, what if? What if you hurt me? What if things don't go so well? I need to protect me. So committing is a very, very difficult thing for some people. And I have to tell you, this was a very funny thing that happened this, this week as I was preparing. And, you know, we came up with these words just because they kind of have good, good meaning and good understanding. But in the Bible, the word commit really didn't work out well for me. So when I looked up the word commit, and I was reading all the verses that have the word commit in it, because I want to be biblical on this, right? Everybody say biblical. Well, it, re- it uh, referred to committing sin every single time. <laughs> commit adultery, commit murder. Commit. <laughs> so it really wasn't working out well for me. So we can't use necessarily the word commit when we, as we look into the, the word here. So open up your Bibles, and the word we're going to look for right now is the word added. It kind of has the same idea, but at least we're not committing adultery. So um, Acts, I know, we're, the life of a pastor is not always that easy. There's always things that just like to jump in there and mess you up. So turn to Acts 2, if you would, verses 41 through 47. We preached a wonderful sermon series on this. Beat it up real good so I can hardly read my words because they're all marked and underlined and circled. But let's read this. This passage comes at a point where Jesus has died and and risen and gone back to heaven. And and the disciples have been meeting in Jerusalem. And uh, they're not really sure what's going to happen next. And Jesus said, go and wait. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And great things are going to happen. And and so they do. And and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And everybody's like, what's going on in there? You know, you're drunk. And and Peter comes running out and says, I'm not drunk. And he preaches the sermon from, you know, just a home run sermon and 3,000 people are saved and the church is born. It was a great moment. I wish I had lived. If I were ever to live anywhere, it would be right then. So verse 42, after 3,000 people were added to their number that day, verse 34, they are 30, or 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the, this is all the people who were added to the church, those 3,000, uh, and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were c- together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods. Uh, whoops. I looked at my phone because it just turned on. Somebody sent me a message. Don't ever send me, don't ever text me in the middle of sermon. So I lost my place. Verse 45, seeing their pos- one time I was up here preaching and somebody texted me that one of my children were out running in the bushes. <laughs> what was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, go get them, that's your job. <laughs> 
Why were my kids running in the bushes? That's what I want to know. Okay, back to Jesus. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave, gave to anyone who had, in, had a need. And every day they count, continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and glad, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an amazing time. I would sign up for that. Would you all commit to that group? I, that would be so easy to commit to that. Yay, we're going to go have dinner at whose house today? And we're going to go see what miracle happened. And let's go do this. And, you know, and um, here you can have some of my, my whatever I have, you know, my cornmeal. And, and uh, we'll share everything that I have. And, and I'll, what a cool time. So if you then follow through, and I'll flip your Bible another chapter or two, and amazing things happen, and the church has continued to grow. And at verse, or chapter 5, verse 1, we find the church on a particular day having a very interesting moment. We find the church, chapter 5, verse 1, it opens up with a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And so Ananias and Sapphira, everybody was selling all their, their earthly possessions and sharing it with the church and laying it at the apostles' feet. And it was, but and, and Anana, whoever they are, A and S, they, they decide that they're going to do this. And so they sell a big chunk of land, right? But they decide that in their heart, they're, they're going to give a lot of it, but not all of it. And so they come before the apostles and they say, the first one comes, which is it, Ananias or yeah, Ananias comes first, right? Yeah, Ananias. And he comes in and he said, you know what? Here's the money from the sale of our stuff. And the apostles look at him and go, really? Yeah, this is all of it. We just want to share all of it. And the apostles say, are you sure? Yeah, it's all of it. And what happens next? He falls over dead. Whoa! And the word said that there was a bunch of young men standing around. And can you imagine the room at that moment? And the young men, you know, obviously the, the, the apostles there say, young men, can you please take care of this? Because it says here that the young men, and the young men came forward and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. Can you imagine being a young man in that meeting? <laughs> Oh, boy, whoa. What was the conversation that was going on as they were walking out with the guy? So are you ever going to lie? Probably not. Where should we put him? I don't know. You, what are we going to do with the guy? I, you know? Wow. Did you ever? So then they come back in after bearing, you know, taking care of him. They come back in, and by then Sapphira shows up. Hey, did my husband come and bring by all the money that we gave you? And it was so wonderful. And the apostles looked at her and said, really? Yeah, you know. And she dies. So guess what happens to the young men? Come here, guys. We got one more for you. So they wrap her up and they carry out. What was the conversation like this time? So are you going to ever lie? Never, ever. So they bury her. But something happens at this point. I want to read to you, starting at verse, let's, um, so verse 10. 
At that moment, she fell down at his, at his, feet, at his feet and died, and the young men came, and, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Great fear. What? They died? These guys play for real. Verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them. (sighs) No one else dared join them. So now we've gone from party. What's for dinner? I don't like that dinner. Okay, we'll come to your house. Okay, come to my house. You want this? Party time. So all of a sudden, okay, this is serious business. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So what I hear it saying there is that in spite now of the, uh, the seriousness, the sobering of what the commitment really meant, the joy that was beyond the commitment continued to inspire many to commit. In spite of their reluctance, more were added. More were willing. Now, but when the, when the commitment was made, it was made with a little bit more, hmm. And I would say to you people here today, there are two spiritual kingdoms. There's light and dark. And they're playing for keeps. And there's no no wishy-washy in them. And we are the players. And God chooses to now transcend from the spiritual realm down into the physical realm through the church that your mouthpiece now becomes the mouthpiece of the wisdom of God and the wisdom of heaven to be proclaimed to the principalities and the powers. And I would face you today and I would say, you can't walk through your life thinking that you are not involved in this situation because you are. By virtue of being a human with breath in your lungs, you are completely involved in the situation. And I would implore you and and speak to you and say, even today, Where's your commitment level? Who are you? Are you a part of the living church? The stones and the bricks that God has chosen and gone and gotten and then placed very strategically in the walls and in the structure and in the place called a church. Or are you laying on the ground? I would say to you, even if you were to look at these, they don't have the purpose. They're not fulfilling much. They're a, they're a little, if you pick it up, there'll be bugs under them, I suppose. But if these pieces of metal would join themselves and commit themselves to become a part of the structure, they will stand and last longer than I will. That's what God's doing. 
I want a church filled with godly Christian people who understand what commitment is, who understand that God and the devil are playing for keeps, and that I would rather be found as a stone or a a stick or whatever these things are that is jointly placed in a building that is destined to become God's habitation than to be found laying separate. Commitment. You've all been given a booklet here today. You know, the Lord is still going about adding to his church. And back in that day, it was easy. There was only one church to join. They met at Solomon's Colonnade over there, and they eat at each other's houses, have a good time together, and you die if you lie. It's fantastic. And God's adding to their numbers just one place. Now there's hundreds of churches for you to choose to become committed to. Hundreds. Hundreds. The most important thing is that you find that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that church. And if Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that church and is holding it all together, then that's a great church. So the next question is, is twofold. Is it your flavor? You go to Baskin and Robin, it's all ice cream in there. I don't care what flavor you pick, just pick an ice cream. Don't eat avocados at Baskin and Robin, right? Does it suit you? Is the worship, you know, the way you like, or is it too noisy here? But the second question you have to ask is, where does the master builder want you stuck to? Because he knows how you're made, and he knows the need of that church, and he wants you placed in the right church in the right place. But I would say to you, pick one. Commit to it. Commit. Be added. Be, be a part of. Commit. Oh, commit. Yes, commit. I don't want to commit. What if you hurt me? Oh, I, I probably will hurt you. But it'll be a good hurt. Commit. Now, you all have commit books, right? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Look at you. Yay. Okay, if you do not have a commit book, I, the ushers are coming right now. Lift up your empty hand, and we'll put a commit book in it. Quickly, quickly, raise your hands all across the, the auditorium. Now, what these commit books are set up to do is to help you commit to a church. And this one is actually talking about our church. At first, it talks a little bit about all the different kinds of churches and uh, what's out there and what's available. You know, I had one lady say, what's the difference between you and the mosque? They're both churches. No, 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 no. There's a big difference. We got some more hands right up here front. So there's, that's the first part of the book, booklet, or the first, in the first area. Then the second area, though, is to help you understand us. What's our flavor? What's our DNA? Because I don't want you to sign up for something and go, you know, you know you're eating ice cream, all of a sudden you hit a chunk, and it's apparently espresso bean ice cream, and it was pretty good until you hit the chunk. And then it tastes terrible because it's an espresso bean, right? Have you ever done that? No. Okay, well, I have. And then all of a sudden I realized this is not the ice cream for me. So I want you to understand who we are, what we are here at New Horizon, right? 
So the second, though, um, so read through that. There's a card in there. I want to really encourage you to fill that card out if you decide that New Horizon is the place for you and put it in the offering bucket or bring it back or something like that. You know, this is the extent of our membership. Just fill out a card, and then we'll go from there. We won't leave it there. Because the next thing you have to do is connect, and I have a, a, a 30 seconds uh, to get you through connect. And connecting is where you take the, the boards, so you can't read your commit book here yet. That's for afterwards. Stay with me. So you take the, the two-by-fours or whatever, and you stick it on a building. It does, it's not going to stay until you put some sticky stuff on it to stay. Everybody say sticky stuff. You have to, I could take this and I could put it in its place, but if I didn't put a sticky stuff on it, it would fall off, right? So what is the sticky stuff? Let me give you a little backstory to Acts chapter 2. Before Peter got up and preached his amazing sermon, he was just a fisherman sitting by his nets. Jesus walked by and said, hey, come on with me. Commit yourself to what I'm doing. Come be a part. Come join me. Come be added to me. And Peter had to say, yeah, sure, let's go. Better than what I got going on now. Getting tired of the nets, the fish, you know. So he committed to Christ. Jesus went about and he invited 12 men to come be a part. 12. And it was the first small group ever invented. In the Bible, you know where I'm going now. It's kind of interesting. Can you imagine that first evening after God had, or Jesus had called them all and they all kind of, he said, meet me for dinner. We're going to have dinner first. So in comes these you know, 12 guys kind of separate. They didn't all know each other. Kind of sat down. John here. Oh, I'm James. Nice to meet you. And what's your name? Philip. Really? Okay, Philip. What do you do for a living? You know, I mean, they, were, they had to get to know each other, right? Work with me. The first night of the disciples getting together, they had to get to know each other. They didn't know each other. They looked around and they didn't pick each other. You know, I don't know if I'd have picked Philip. I don't know. He's kind of, you know, you know how the office goes to these little interviews, you know? So you're looking at John and he's saying, you know, he's kind of odd. He kind of smells funny. I'm not so sure about him, but we'll see. I'll give him, you know, one more try, okay? So they didn't know each other. They didn't pick each other. They had just decided to become a part together, right? And Philip started bugging John. John had to get over it. He had to get along. They had to get to know each other. But who knew? Who knew that first night when they had dinner together for that very first time as a group of 12 regular old men? Who knew that eventually they would heal the sick? They would raise the dead. That they would preach to the multitudes and thousands would come to know him. That they would cast out spirits. I have them all written down here. That they would heal the paralytics. That they would run with chariots. That they would escape prison. 
that earthquakes would happen and, and the, the prison, the, the, the guards would be like, where are you? And we're right here. Or maybe an angel would come and get them. The, who knew when they showed up at that first little small group meeting that greatness was about to come upon them because they were joining themselves with the almighty God from heaven and with 11 other normal people. Who knew? I would like to present to you would the book of Acts had happened had not those 12 chosen out by God and decided to come together and get to know each other and get over all their differences and get over everything that wasn't the same. Who knew if maybe they had to, you know, God would have had to rewrite it in a different way and wait for another group of 12 that was willing to come together and pray for one another and admonish one another and stand by one another. Who knew what God's plans were for Judas? Sticky stuff. Colossians 3.12, I don't have time to read it, I don't think. Maybe I will. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Don't keep being mad. Don't leave. Figure it out. And over all these things, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these things, put uh, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful that the word of God dwell richly inside of you. Now, if I were to add a few more, these are all the sticky things that have to happen to cause you, when you commit to be a part of a church, and then you come together as a small group, like what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks here, putting together these small groups where they break the body down into a smaller unit to where you can actually kind of get to know each other and get some work done. I'd like to add a few. This would be Colossians chapter 3b verse 1 written by Joel. Be brave. Be bold. Don't stay home because you don't know them. Don't stay home because you're busy. Don't stay home because you're a little bit tired. Get up and go. Because who knows? Who knows what the future might be with them? See the value in every single person sitting in that circle. Who knows what's in them? Who knows what they will bring to you? Be of value to others. Don't walk in rejection. But most of all, come together. Don't forsake the the assembling together. Don't forsake it. You need it. You need it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sticky stuff that needs to happen. God can call you. He can add you to a church. But adding means to just lay alongside. The next step is to connect with the sticky stuff called love. Forgiveness, admonishing, teaching, coming together, connecting through small groups, 
through getting together for coffee, all of that developing relationship. Amen? Let's all stand. I've gone way over time. Thank you for being so kind to listen to me. Band, come on up. Right now, I want you to think in your mind, what are some of the things that God's spoken to you right now? Do you struggle with commitment? Are you very, very desirous of making sure that you have your own space? Are you, have you been hurt in the past and don't want to commit? Do you feel the pull of rejection in your life that would cause you to say, I don't fit? All of those things are things that are going to harm you. And I would like here today that you would lay all that down. Get rid of the things inside of your heart that stand between you and the ability to commit. I want you all to close your eyes right now and just forgive past hurts. Let it go. Forgive past church situations. Let it go. Forgive and let go of fear. And become a committed type of person, a person that will covenant with people. And then secondly, welcome stickiness in your life. The ability to connect with other people in the church. And let's start making some history here at New Horizon Christian Center. Can I just tell you, we've been all working together to build that maternity clinic. It's my, 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 my maternity clinic is my little pet. I like that. It's God's, but you know. Um, and they had, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, they had a, a huge earthquake over there. Centered right in the town of our Maternity clinic. That many of you went over and did. Who'd have thought? Who knew? Who knew you were going to be a part of that? Something standing and ministering to so many people. Out of that whole region, that whole town, only three buildings survived. And ours is one of them. Hallelujah. Legacy. But I couldn't do it if I was just one little tiny person laying on the ground somewhere separated away because I was afraid that I might get hurt. No. Join together and you will be amazed at what this church, completely fitted, can get done. Amen? All right. Jasmine's going to play the piano. Hallelujah. Whoopsies. <laughs> she needs the mic. Okay. Father and Jesus, they, go ahead and play. They need me. I think they need me. Dwayne Wolf, will you close us out? Okay, we're going to do that charismatic Christian thing that some of you don't like. Reach over and take a hand of the person beside you. That's right. Wipe off the perspiration first. Guys, this is not a moment to move in on a girl that's available. But this is this is this is symbolic of us being unified, 
choosing to love one another even though we didn't pick one another. But the Lord's picked us individually to be here. Amen? So we choose to love one another. Just begin to pray over one another right now, even over the whole body. Holy Spirit, we welcome a unity even as we take hands this morning. We welcome a unity that looks like what you ordained. It looks like what you desire. It looks like what you've chosen. Not only do we choose to commit where you've called us, we choose to agree that since we're here, you're the one that got us here. But we choose also to connect with one another, to cherish relationship, to lean into the inheritance that is ours in the saints, to cultivate love, build up, edify one another, even as you've called us. We just say yes to all of this. We say yes, let it become richer in our hearts, richer in our consciousness, richer in our prayer life and intercession, that we love and cherish one another. We say yes to all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen.